0: Since we're celebrating Easter today, we thought maybe we would come outside and do the the message from outside. Now, doing that, you're liable to hear kids barking. Are kids barking? Nah, you might not hear any kids barking. You might hear some dogs barking and some kids talking and playing in the background, but that's all right. So we'll just go ahead with this, and we'll see how it works today. I've always dreamed uh, of being a macho guy, you know, a tough guy, one of those strong, silent type of men a man of uncommon bravery, basically a Clint Eastwood type of cowboy. And I dreamed of that growing up, but that wasn't how God made me. Instead, I'm kind of an empathetic, and I did say empathetic, not pathetic. I'm an empathetic, goofy, loving kind of guy, and I'm good with that. And so it comes probably as no surprise that I like love stories. I always want to see the good guy get the girl. When I was around 11 years old, my class went to see Romeo and Juliet at the movies. I think it was the first romance movie that I had ever seen. I thought Juliet, played by Olivia Hussey, was really cute. I liked the movie Love Story that came out in 1970, even though love sometimes does mean we say we're sorry. When Harry met Sally was great, Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal make a a cute couple. I went to see The the Notebook with my wife Mary, and I've seen it several times, and yes, you know what? It is so predictable, and it's very sappy, but Rachel McAdams is in it. Do I need to say any more? The remake of A Star is Born is a great movie with amazing music. Of course, it really didn't have a, a happy ending like I like. But even with all of those movies, one of my favorite love stories is A Dog's Purpose. The love of a good dog is incredible. Now if you haven't seen A Dog's Purpose, you should. I don't want to really give it away, but it's the story of a dog who reincarnates. Reincarnation movies normally turn me off. I think they just send a terribly wrong message. But this fantasy tells a great story. The star, Bailey the dog, goes through many lives. He belonged to a teenager named Ethan, and Ethan experienced heartbreak the, the senior year in high school. And he didn't deal with it well. His personal heartbreak resulted in him breaking up with his girlfriend, Hannah, and losing interest in Bailey, his dog. And all I can say is, what a dummy. Well, Bailey, the dog, dies of old age, but then seeks to be reunited, reunited with Ethan throughout his reincarnated lives. Bailey is devoted to Ethan. Bailey sacrifices to find his owner. And then one day, at the climax of the movie, Bailey finds a much older Ethan. Ethan is still broken. He's angry at the world. But let's just say the love of a good dog can change a heart. It's a story of devotion, brokenness, sacrifice, And intimacy if you think about it the Bible is a love story it is a great true drama of redemption the Bible shares the story of God's loving devotion to the people he created it it speaks of our brokenness there is sacrifice Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for us on the cross and there is intense intimate love God loves each one of us in a very deep and personal way. And what we celebrate today, the the resurrection, well, that's at the very core of the Bible's love story. We rebelled against God. We do it every day. It's called sin. And, And the penalty, the cost of our sin is death. It's a physical death. But even more than that, it's spiritual death. It is separation from God. Our sin dooms us to destruction but God God loves us too much for our sin to be the end of his story and so Jesus came from heaven to live as one of us he did what you and I couldn't do he lived a perfectly obedient life to God then Jesus went voluntarily to the cross his sacrifice paid the sin debt that you and I owed through Christ we're forgiven Jesus nailed our sins to the cross Without today, though, without Easter, Resurrection Sunday, the story is incomplete. Without the resurrection, Jesus was just a, a great prophet. But the truth is, Jesus did rise from the dead. He defeated sin, he defeated death, he defeated Satan. And because Jesus lives, those who put their trust in him as their Lord and Savior will also live. We have eternal life, and eternal life is being united with Christ today. And for eternity it is the the perfect love story but it's a story that we struggle to get right we want to make this story all about us we like to think of how as being humans we can overcome our sin the problem is we will never overcome our sin we think we can work our way to heaven through good deeds and yet we can never be good enough to make ourselves right with God The truth of the Bible story is that it isn't about you, it's not about me. The Bible's all about Jesus. And within this great story, there are many smaller stories. And one of them is recorded in John chapter 20, verses 11 through 18. It is the story of the resurrected Jesus appearing to Mary Magdalene. Now, by starting in verse 11, we're picking up the the text after Mary has already been to the tomb with some other women. When they arrived, the stone in front of the tomb had been rolled away. An angel announced to them that Jesus was not there, that he had risen from the dead. Mary ran to get Peter and John. She told Peter and John that someone had taken Jesus' body out of the tomb. She was distraught. She didn't know what they had done with Jesus' body. And her words indicate she didn't grasp that Jesus has risen. Peter and John came to the tomb and they looked inside. Jesus' burial cloths were there, but his body wasn't. John and his gospel wrote that they believed, but that they still didn't comprehend what had taken place. And Peter and John then went back to their homes. Mary remained. Mary stood outside the tomb. And that brings us to John chapter 20, verses 11 through 18. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look inside the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to perhaps be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus then said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am sending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. This is the word of God. We're going to look at this love story from both sides, Mary Magdalene's side and Jesus. And and let's just start with Mary. Mary Magdalene was a disciple of Jesus. Now, she wasn't one of the 12 men, but she was a disciple, and that means she was a follower of Christ. We, We don't know very much about her, but we do know that Jesus cast seven demons out of her. Mary shows us the devotion of a disciple. She went to the tomb twice on the day that Jesus rose from the dead. She was there in the morning with the other women. She was there with Peter and John, and she stayed after those two disciples left. John's gospel tells us that Mary Magdalene was at the cross. Mark's gospel also put her at the tomb when Jesus was buried. And so Mary was there at the crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Her devotion to him was more intense than any of the other disciples. They largely scattered in fear for their lives. Mary. Mary would not leave Jesus. She was consumed by what she thought had happened to Jesus' body. She didn't realize Jesus had risen from the dead. Even even the angels didn't open her eyes. There was an angel at the tomb when she went with the women. There were two angels standing on either side of the slab where Jesus had lain when she returned. It's been said that those two angels were like the two cherubim on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. Mary also didn't comprehend the angels' messages. Of course, Mary wasn't looking for an angel. She was looking for Jesus' body. She couldn't imagine who would steal his body. To do so was to add insult to an already terrible situation. The Jewish people viewed the desecration of a dead body as an abomination. Mary provides a beautiful picture of devotion, a loving picture of devotion. And it's not a stretch to say that Jesus was her life. Jesus was her healer, her teacher, her friend, and ultimately her savior. Mary Magdalene also shows us the brokenness of a disciple. Three times in our passage, John speaks of Mary weeping. The use of the word weep might be too weak of a term here. When I think of weeping, I, I picture soft, gentle sobs of anguish. But Mary's weeping might have actually been wailing. The Greek word we translate as weep can also mean wail. And to wail was a more typical response to death in the first century. Mary grieved with everything in her. Imagine Mary's appearance. I see her visibly shaken. Her, her face is tear-streaked. Her hair is a mess. There are dark rings underneath her eyes from not sleeping. Her eyes are bloodshot. Her clothes may be moist from her tears, and they're certainly dirty from all the dust of Golgotha. She sobs, and it breaks the still of the morning. She can barely walk. Her life has lost all meaning. Her spirit is broken. The psalmist wrote this, said, "'The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit." And that's Mary. Sadly, you and I have witnessed such similar stories. I've, I've seen such pain at so many funerals. Death is not a time for composure. Death isn't a time to worry about what others will think. See, death is a time when it's okay to cry out in agony. I I remember the funeral of a great-uncle when I was a a young teen. He was my great-grandmother's son. And I could still picture her entering into the funeral parlor, broken, crying, asking God why he had taken her son, saying it wasn't right for a mother to have to bury her son. We have witnessed such brokenness. We've also endured brokenness. Brokenness, it it creates deep cracks in our lives. And those cracks can only be filled by the love of Jesus. Our brokenness demonstrates our need for a savior. Jesus, our savior, shows us perfect love. His love for us was shown in his sacrifice on the cross. Jesus' love for us is sacrificial. The the writer of Hebrews states that Jesus, who for the joy that was before him, endured the cross, despising its shame. And and the joy that the writer there speaks of is the, the future reward, salvation that came from the cross. On Good Friday, we read these words from Isaiah 53. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Jesus faced utter humiliation and love. John wrote this in his first letter. He said, By this we know love. That he laid down his life for us. Jesus loves you and I so much that he int- and suffered intense physical and spiritual pain. He was beaten, he was despised, he was mocked, he died a terrible death. The Jewish people believed that a man killed on a tree, killed on a cross, was cursed. Jesus took on the curse that you and I deserved. Jesus' sacrifice was perfect. You and I, we can't add anything to it. Through Jesus' sacrifice, his work on the cross, we are saved. True love is sacrificial. It puts the needs of others first. It also seeks to serve in humility. When Jesus appeared to Mary, he repeated the angel's question. He asked, woman, why are you weeping? And theologians have, have wrestled with Jesus' question. Some of them say that it was a, a mild rebuke, as in saying, Hey, lady, why are you still crying? Others have said it was a, a redirection of Mary's thinking. And, and I think that holds more truth. Mary was looking for a dead body, she was troubled by an empty tomb. Mary needed to open her eyes to the resurrection. Mary responded to. Jesus questioned thinking he was the gardener. She said, "Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me, please tell me where you've put him and I'll go and I'll get him." And at that point, Jesus said to her, "Mary." And suddenly, suddenly her eyes were open. She realized it was Jesus. Mary was like some of the others who at first didn't recognize the risen Christ. She turned and said in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Now, something interesting happens here in the passage. Jesus actually told her not to cling to him. And we could talk about the meaning of that statement for an hour. Most likely, though, Jesus was indicating that Mary should not cling to the past. He was pointing her to a new relationship with him. He was no longer just her teacher, Jesus was now her Savior. But did you notice that Jesus called her by name, Mary? Love is not only sacrificial, it's intimate. It is an intensely personal love. Jesus' love for us is personal. Jesus knows your name. Jesus knows my name. He knows your life. He knows those shining moments. He knows your embarrassments, your weaknesses, and and those dark secrets that you think you've hidden from everyone else. Jesus knows all that, and yet he still loves us. Jesus once said, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and they know me. Jesus called Mary by name, and he calls you and I by name. Jesus calls us first to himself. And then he sends us out. Jesus told Mary to share what she saw. And we do the same. The love story of the Bible is centered on the love of God through Jesus Christ. It is an intimate love. It is a sacrificial love. But for a love story to have a happy ending, it takes two. In the love story of the resurrection, you and I are Mary Magdalene. Mary was devoted to Jesus. She came to him in brokenness. To receive the perfect love of Christ, we must admit that we too are broken. And the fact is that some of us struggle with pride. To be broken is to completely humble ourselves. And that sounds weak. And and yet admitting our brokenness is the strongest thing that you and I could ever do. The really weak people are the ones who say they don't need Jesus. They just don't get it. The, the other part, the most obvious part of our brokenness is our sin. We're sinners, every one of us. Sin is rebellion against God. Sin, sin is not living the way God called us to live. And we can't fix it. We can't stop sinning. We need a Savior. Our need leads to our devotion to Jesus. He is the only one that can save us. Let me say that again. Jesus is the only one who can save you. For our story to be like Mary's story, we need to fall in love with Jesus. In love, we will trust Jesus. Years ago, there was a Christian band called Jars of Clay, and they had a song called Love Song for a Savior. And I want to just share with you a few of the lyrics. It says, someday we'll trust him and learn how to see him. Someday He'll call us and we will come running. We will fall in His arms and the tears will fall down. And we'll pray, I want to fall in love with you. I want to fall in love with you. Jesus loves you. He gave His life so you can have life. And my hope... My prayer is that you will fall in love with Jesus, trusting your life to him. And if you already love Jesus, ask God to strengthen that love. Jesus is the source of love. Jesus is the source of life. He gives us new life now and for our eternity.